Please listen carefully. And now, live from the attic that smells like a basement in McKinney, Texas, it's the Assuming Positions Podcast, featuring two guys high-fiving with words, Kevin and Mikey. Hey everybody, welcome to the Assuming Positions Podcast. Kevin over here. And Mikey over here. And today we continue our series, Head of the Helm. We have picked a sci-fi ship and we're filling it full of a sci-fi crew. To go explore the outer reaches of space, space, space. (laughs) So we're picking uh, sci-fi characters from all over science fiction media. Yep. And we've had a lot of fun doing it so far. And we've gone through... Pretty much every single member of a crew, and now we're up to <laughs> the most important member. Yes. The actual head of the helm. The actual head of the helm, <laughs> yes. The captain of our ship. Oh, captain, my captain. Stand on, get off the desk, Mikey. <laughs> we're both saluting right now, even though nobody can see it. So, captains. Wow, this is, again, tons of tons of choices. Yes. But not for me. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> Talk about that a little bit. So we can get into it. Mikey always goes first because it's I talk so much at the beginning. Cool. Well, then that's I, that's really the long and short of it. You know, there's we talk about double sided coin, loaded dice, yeah. all of it. But really, it's it's, it's breaking it up. Yeah. I will commandeer this conversation and I will captain us to our third picks. Your third pick. Third pick. Uh, so do we need to explain what a captain is? No, he's the guy in charge. So yeah. pretty self explanatory. The guy, my third pick for being in charge. Is is a fun one because he's, he's a couple. There's a couple options I could pick from, but for my third captain, I'm considering Doctor Who. Doctor Who. Who? Doctor. The Doctor. Doctor Who. Yes. Okay. There's a lot of Doctor Who's, <laughs> but it's technically all the same person, right? Or it, being. It is. I all, guess. It is all the same being. He's reincarnated in different forms. Yeah. So specifically for me, I'm picking the Matt Smith variant of Doctor Who. I had no idea that you like Doctor Who. Like, <laughs> is there is there anything in the studio? You don't have a little TARDIS or anything, do you? No. Well, there may be stuff, little things hidden around. But for me, I'm a, a, a pretty low key about it because uh, I found that Doctor Who fans are just as passionate as old school Star Wars fans when it comes to Doctor Who. So it's very team based. So you got to pick the right team. Oh, are are you are you in a nice way saying there's a good deal of toxicity? <laughs> are there are there booby traps, pitfalls, and quicksand in the Doctor Who field? There is Doctor Who. Doctor Who is such a huge world and so much to get into that you really can find your niche in Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. And Doctor Who fans seem to get a real big kick out of debating those different tribes and aspects. I see, and sometimes it can get nasty. It can, yeah. I've seen a little bit of that in media lately. Yes. Especially with the latest Doctor Her. Oh, yes, exactly. Yeah. So I, I'm a big fan of the series. I think the show does a lot of things wonderfully. Uh, like Star Wars, it has a little bit of wonkiness to it that makes it endearing. Well, yeah, it's been around for so long. It's sci-fi from the olden days that are so different. That that Doctor Who is a huge candidate for our look at it in the eyes of the time. Oh, for sure. Especially when you go back to the old British Black series. Black and white ones? Yeah. 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 Exactly. But, I mean, it was just a classic then. You bring up the nom- name Tom Baker, people are going to smile because they recognize that from Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Um, but specifically, I'm picking Matt Smith, which I guess is a hot take depending on who you talk to, but I have my reasons for it. 
Matt Smith was, which I don't even know what number it is. Who was <laughs> who was with Matt Smith? Okay, Matt Smith who was. Who are the companions with? And that, that's how I remember what, what one it is. <laughs> it was Rose. He was actually Matt Smith, the 11th doctor. He comes after David Tennant, okay. but before yeah. Peter okay. Capaldi. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, Matt Smith was the 11th doctor, and his companion for that series was Amy Pond, played by Karen Gillan. Okay, yes, I know that one. That I like. Well, you know what? With me, Doctor Who, I started, who was the one before him? Uh, David Tennant. David Tennant. Yes, and that's pretty much the new era of Doctor Who, right? Uh, Chris Eccleston technically started it, the bad guy from Thor Dark World. Right. He he was in it, but that was like right when they rebooted it and they didn't give him a full series. It didn't really take right. off till that David was, Tennant. He, yeah, he was kind of like when they had that one James Bond guy who was the one. I, I don't know James Bond enough, but the, I know there was that, that like one actor who was yeah. James Bond once. Either probably Timothy Dalton? No. Roger Moore. Well, that and Timothy Dalton, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. I guess this happened twice <laughs> with kind of sort of. But it does it does have the same pitfalls that Bond does because there's yeah. so many different actors and involvements. You can sort of pick your lane and go, okay, I like this, even though it's all one and the same. Mm-hmm. But Doctor Who is a great, I think, is a great pick for Captain because if you want to talk about a sci fi being that's sort of encountered it all and goes out. Mm-hmm. specifically into the unknown and the uncertain and just tries to figure things out, doesn't get more much more like by the seat of your pants as Doctor Who. Because mm-hmm. every adventure is like a Monster of the Week show that I love about it. You know, you get in the TARDIS, you go to a planet, and you fix the problem that you find when you get there. You know, mm-hmm. he never knows what it is. He rarely knows what time he's in, you know. Doesn't really concern him. He's like, oh, I'm here now. We're going to do this, and it's going to be great. The reason Matt Smith wins is because I think he's the most joyful of the doctors hmm. and just you, you've known Mikey a little bit by now. I'm, I'm very happy, go lucky, very joyful, mm-hmm. the, the optimist. So Matt Smith fits my personality as far as the doctors go. And yeah, I, I, I can, can kind of relate with that. I can see that, but he's got two hearts. He knows how to mess with timey, wimey, wibbly, wobbly, you know, <laughs> stuff. So I think that just prepares him for anything, especially since I have such a slapdash crew. Cause Doctor Who, I'm making him a captain here, but really his crew is usually only about two or three people. Mm. Even though the TARDIS is exponentially bigger on the inside right. and can hold hundreds of thousands of people. It's bigger on the inside. It is. Even though it's a phone booth. But Police box. Yes. So he's used, to, that. <laughs> he's used to a smaller crew, and I think that would fit my crew. But with Doctor Who comes the just the uncertainty principle is that for as much as he tries to fix the situation or correct things... Things also never really go according to plan. There's always a, a, a further foil or crux to the situation that comes out of the blue, and he's got a whole universe of bad guys after him, so I don't know if I want to <laughs> put out the invitation to have all of Doctor Who's enemies come get me because the, the Weeping Angels are creepy, the Ood oh, are creepy, yeah. you know. So Daleks are... Yep. Exterminate! <laughs> Didn't they? I don't even know if it's true. See, here's the funny thing about the internet sometimes, fellow nerds, is that there's really talented people who do stuff on DeviantArt. Yes. And it looks official. Mm-hmm. And you'll see stuff and you'll be like, is that real? Because <laughs> I saw some thing once where it showed like this weird little squid creature inside a Dalek. There are there is there is biological mass inside the oh, Dalek robots. Okay, yeah. maybe that's what it is then. Imprisoned creatures, actually. So oh. you actually feel for the Daleks, which you think are just uh, sort of uncontrollable robots bent on rampage and vengeance. It's actually sort of imprisoned slaves inside of robot capsules that are forced to destroy against their bidding. 
I don't so know. It's got complexity to it. Yeah. So wonderfully British. <laughs> it is. It's great. Very much so. So, yeah, Matt Smith, Doctor Who. Karen Gillan can come hang out, too. <laughs> she's, more than, she's more than welcome on the, uh, the Voyager. Uh, but Matt Smith, it, like, every time something is, is takes him by surprise or he sees some aspect of the universe that causes splendor, he always takes note of it. And he's always quick to point out that things are impermanent, change is inevitable, and you should just go with it and enjoy the positive aspects of it. And that was why I enjoyed his run as Doctor Who and why he's my third captain. I agree with you. I, I like the Matt Smith... Doctor Who series. Yeah, thought it was the most watchable of all the Doctor Who's for me personally. <laughs> He's like a giant walking human Muppet. It's great. <laughs> nice number three pick. Yep. All right, my number three pick. Time to get back to you talking. Back to me talking. I talked a lot during Doctor Who too. Uh, my number three pick. This was actually influenced by a friend of ours, <laughs> and you know, I was sitting there and. I've been doing this thing, if you haven't noticed, trying to build an all-female crew to see if it's possible. Dun, dun, dun. And guess what? Unfortunately, in media, there's not a lot of female captains, which is very wrong. But um, one, one of our friends said this person, because you love her. And so I'm going to talk about a lady named Carol Danvers. I recognize that name. Who's also known as Captain Marvel. Ah, yes. So my Captain Marvel is the Brie Larson MCU Captain Marvel, <laughs> because as I've been told, I think you overrate Brie Larson, I was told once, but I don't know how you overrate an Oscar-winning actress. True. Actor and director. Yes. But anyway, Captain Marvel is my number three pick. She'd be a great, she's a great leader anyway. She'd be a great captain of anything. The main problem why she can't be number one for me is because she does not need a ship at all. That is a, yeah, that's a pretty big catch. And her favorite thing to do is kind of fly through spaceships. <laughs> oh, look, a spaceship over there. I'm going to go punch it. <laughs> so, I mean, Captain Marvel's a great character, a great addition to the MCU. I love how Brie Larson plays it. We did a Captain Marvel review. Yep. We won't tell in, the movie. So and we talk about it a lot there. But I think uh, going forward in MCU, Captain Marvel is kind of going to be one of the heads of the new Avengers. Yeah, it the, seems that way. The Avengers are named after her call sign on her uh, plane, if you recall. That is true. Her call sign was Avenger. That's true. So she's an officer. She's an officer in the Air Force. She was an officer in the with the Kree, and now she's a leader with the Avengers. <laughs> Keeps moving on up. She would be the perfect captain of a ship, but the thing is she would be like, I'm going to go outside. <laughs> <laughs> Everything would fall to Wilma Deering, oh, yes. my first officer. There you go. So she'd be like, okay, handle the ship. I'm going to go to the airlock and fly outside and fly through that thing. <laughs> and then it's over with. And I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, it, you would probably ha- it would probably suffer from the same problem that Infinity War suffers from is that, or Endgame, because she's around, but she's not around because she's <sighs> dealing with bigger problems that are appropriate to Captain Marvel, you know? Right. So while she could be helping out with your crew... She could also be around the galaxy fixing planetary problems. And that's the thing, too, is people want to, like, try and marry Sewer and all that kind of stuff. But even in the comics, she's that powerful. Yep. And Thor is also that powerful, too. And they basically have to make him depressed and fat. <laughs> no, seriously. It's true. Because yeah. otherwise, just Thanos doesn't have a chance against a Captain Marvel and a Thor, really. True. And two of them together. So what do they have to do? Well, they have to make her unavailable. Yep. And they have to make him fat and sad. Limited in some capacity. Yeah, they have to limit him. So 
you, yeah, <laughs> I get it. And in, in my mind, they did a beautiful job yes. of limiting those characters without making it too, too, too many forced, qu- yeah, too forced, too many question marks. Yeah. And they they even do the beautiful thing where they address it in Endgame, like. Uh, we could use your help here, haircut or yep. whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Whatever Rocket says. Yep. And she's like, "Yeah, um, you know, your little planet there isn't the only, or my little planet technically Our isn't the planet. isn't the only one dealing with stuff. That's true. So I got galactic things to deal with. <laughs> so well, it's a good consideration. I had to mention it. I had to put it on three. A shout out to Ralph for for giving me the idea for putting it out there. <laughs> yep. But she doesn't need a spaceship. Nope. And you know, I love her, though. I love Captain Marvel so much. I love everything Brie Larson does so far. <laughs> she just keeps knocking out of the bar for me. I'm a fan. She does She does well. I'm a big fan. So Captain Marvel, maybe you can fly alongside the ship with the actual captain I pick. There you go. And fly through things because that's her favorite. She's she's captain in role, and then there's an acting captain. We could put it that way. So when she shows up, she's like, I'm your captain for a little bit. So. I like it. <laughs> but Brie Larson, an awesome pick as always. That's a yep. great captain. But it is a fair point that, you know, you're on a ship that she doesn't really need. But you have the uh, you do have the perk of having the one sci-fi captain that probably, like, if the ship has a problem, she can just, like, go outside and, like, pull it, like, out of, you know, <laughs> pull it out of the whatever it crashed into and just point it on its way. She's, like, the only one who can get out and push her sh- ship. Yeah. If it, <laughs> man. Our warp drive is down. Ah, I got it. I'll they push. Could have used that on the Millennium Falcon. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get out and push. The Princess Leia said, do I, should I get out and push? There you go. Captain Marvel could. She takes it and actually does it. <laughs> Same kind of attitude. I love it. That is great. Um, so, Captain Marvel, we continue down the captain path, the captain chain of command, I guess. And we come to our second captains. And mine is, I guess, will be no surprise, considering you've listened to our, all the Head of the Helm episodes so far. And we've mm. talked about Kaylee. We've talked about Wash. Mm. We've talked about Zoe. Mm. We've talked about Jane. And now we're going to talk about Captain Malcolm Mal Reynolds. Yeah. The, the the shiniest of shiny captains. Uh yes. The best of the West, if you can call it the West, even though it's sure. Space West. Space West. But Captain Reynolds, we're talking uh, about a guy that volunteered for an uprising against the government because he felt it was good, uh, gave it his all in every battle that he was in, despite almost being doomed to failure just because mm-hmm. they were outnumbered, and is so scarred by battle now that he... He he's off on his own devices. He says, I don't like what I've seen in the world, so I'm going to go make my own place in it and only worry about me. Mm-hmm. That is until he comes across a crew of misfits that happen to gather into his gather into his circle, you know, come close to him. And what does Captain Mal do with all these misfits and malcontents that he finds? He turns them into a crew and makes them into a family. Yes, it's true. He builds loyalty. He inspires duty and righteousness. And he does it all with a smirk and a, a wink that he could kill you if he wanted to. Because mm-hmm. um, that's the thing, like Nathan Fillion. Oh, I love that guy. Yep. Great in everything that he does. Yes. He's, he's all over the internet and memes just because he's so wonderful and mm-hmm. expressive. He has a He has that charisma about him. You're like, oh, that's a ship captain. He looks like he knows what he's doing. But then there are moments in the show where, like, the time where he almost puts Simon out the airlock, you mm-hmm. know, if he doesn't help Kaylee, or the time he holds people at gunpoint, he's like, I know we're friendly and we're all crew and all that, but I do have a line you're about to cross, and I'm mm-hmm. letting you know you're about to cross it. So he's that no-nonsense cowboy sort of yeah. old cavalier kind of captain, like, 
this is a situation, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to give you a smile, but if you cross me, if we go crossways, then we're going to have some words. So. Yeah, the the someone who can tame both a Jane and a Zoe. Oh, exactly. That's those are like two powerful. Like one's a abject criminal. Yep. And the other one could do whatever she wanted to. And yeah, is capable in all her skills. Yeah, but yep. she's loyal yep. to him. So, and and you know. and Zoe is someone's used that like someone that's used to the military chain of command and service. So Mal runs a tight enough ship that she respects how he does things, and it's not like oh this could be better. So. Um, but that fits with my crew because my crew has a raccoon, a criminal, a marshmallow <laughs> robot. Um, marshmallow robot. It, it, it does have River Tam, so he'd, he'd bond with that already, and that's why Mal is number two on my list because yep. I, I did choose River Tam first, mm-hmm. so I like her a little bit better. No offense to Nathan Fillion, you're still wonderful. But, uh, yeah, Captain Mal, I mean, you've seen Firefly. You know what he's capable of. I would like to have him on my ship if only to see his story continue because... We'll say it again. One one season in one movie is not enough no, in that world. No. There's comic books, though, but that's not the same. It isn't. No. Unless you flip the pages real fast back and forth. <laughs> well, the thing about comic books is it's not that actor, that those actors that you love to see. So oh, it's, yeah. It's the same writers, and you're getting the story and everything, but part of the enjoyment of this stuff is, and why we love it is because the actors are always so good. Oh, very much so. And all these different things. So. Yeah. Yep. Ah. Oh. Malcolm Reynolds. He could have easily been on my list, but he got bumped off my list Uh by the original movie version of him, sort of. (laughs) I can see. I think I know where you're going. Someone I can't pick because I picked his wife (laughs) and someone I can't pick because there's only one ship he belongs on. Captain Han Solo, the scoundrel from Corellia. Yes. Oh, I don't even need to look at notes for Han Solo friends. Han Solo, I was always a Han Solo kid. There are two kids of my Gen X generation. OG the, Star Wars. The yeah. OG Star Wars generation. There's two boys, I should say. I'm going to say boys. <laughs> True. Because the girls love Princess Leia, rightly so. And I'm sure some of them loved the guy, the male characters too. But when you're playing with your friends, there was kids who wanted to be Luke Skywalker <laughs> and there's kids who wanted to be Han Solo. Yep. And I was straight up wanted to be Han Solo. There you go. He was the coolest of the cool. Yep. First of all, he's played by Harrison Ford, who's one of the coolest of the cool anyway. So that exuded through there. (laughs) And then just Han Solo is there, just this cool scoundrel shooting Greedo first. Yes. Yes. (laughs) That's how it's been decided. Yes. Yes. You know, the, from the first time you see him in the bar, he's just, and he's so cavalier and he's so just, come on. He has that whole just attitude like this old guy and this farm boy. What is this? <laughs> what do you want? He's, you never heard of the Millennium Falcon? <laughs> what? Yep. And the thing about Han Solo is that I was worried when they were doing the solo film oh yeah with alden ironreich yep and i'll tell you we and we i believe we reviewed that too on here mm-hmm. on our podcast you can go back and check that out check that out click here or oh, whatever you know <laughs> it's like <laughs> click now um, but <laughs> um listen i love han solo so much i think that my critical level of going into that movie was extremely high oh yeah yeah and i love what Alden did and I love that movie. Yeah. I think it was great. And then we got so much more of Han Solo's backstory, growing up on Corellia, mm-hmm. running with the gang, 
having his first love, getting separated from her, and all all he cared about was getting back to her. Yeah. So that's what drives Han Solo. So as cavalier as he is, he had to learn how to be tough on the streets and street smart and almost like a Dickens character. He almost has a Dickens upbringing. Oh, very much so, yeah. And much like a Dickens character, even with all that scruff outer bravado and toughness, yep. there's a big, giant heart that's grown three sizes <laughs> in there. It just is. He just has always had a big, giant heart. Yep. And that's the key to the Han Solo character, and that's what makes him so endearing. Yep. Cause, and that's the same thing with Mal, because Mal really is kind of TV Han Solo. is based a lot oh, for sure. on yeah, Han yeah. Solo. And as tough as he can be and as scary as he can get sometimes, there's that big, giant heart under there. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. That's what made him turn back around. You know, just that Luke in the in episode four. I always, I always have to think about it. It just seems like the first one to me. He has that. He has all the money mm-hmm. that he got. The reward money, ready and to he's go. ready to go. And that Luke gives him that like disappoint. I'm disappointed in you. Type <laughs> look. You know, and and he's and Han's all like, yeah, yeah. But no, it hits him. It does because what happens? He turns around and comes back and saves the galaxy. Because he, he has a heart of gold. Yeah, and he does it over and over again. So Han Solo would have easily been my number one captain, but for the reasons of, A, the rules, and I wanted Princess Leia to be the passenger because yep. she's the best passenger ever. There you go. And he does not belong on any other ship than the Millennium Falcon. Oh, yeah, you, you take him out of his element. Then, he he yeah. just doesn't belong on any other ship. I know sometimes he's on like he's on that shuttle and blah, blah. That was just to get somewhere. No, the Millennium Falcon, if you watch this from Solo, the movie, yep, and the, the, that's 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 one of the loves of his life. Mm-hmm. Oh, I that. mean, f- forget Kira and forget Leia. His original baby. Yeah, is, is the Falcon. Yep. So I just cannot see him not being captain of the Falcon. So, <laughs> so <laughs> that's why he's number two. Did you know they did the Kessel Run in 12 Parsec? Yeah. <laughs> I yes, don't know if you've heard, but Han Solo seems pretty proud of that. He is very proud of that. Oh, but yeah, you really couldn't get better in captains when it comes to Han Solo. He's got that swagger. Oh, so cool. Yep. So we've been talking about the rough and rowdy. We've been talking about the 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 cavalier captains is what have we referred to them. But now with my first pick. Uh, number one pick. Number Here they one. Are. Oh, we're giving it a little bit of spoiler when I announce it as number one. Really? A little bit. Hmm. Number one. Well, first pick on captain is going to be Jean-Luc Picard, oh. played by Patrick Stewart. Yes. Of the USS Enterprise D and E. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and whatever this new ship he's going to be in in the oh, new series. I'm so excited. We'll get into that in a second, but yes. Uh, so, Captain Picard, uh, captain of the USS Enterprise. Engage. Engage. Make it so, number one. Say them all. They're, they're so fun to say. I was learning, I, I, I'll start here just because it's random, but... Jean-Luc Picard actually wasn't very well received when they first aired because up until that point, we've had very like bravado sort of Han Solo-esque captains with uh, James T. Kirk, Mm -hmm. William Shatner. And then apparently when Next Generation premiered, they were like, who is this bald British guy that talks like he's in a Shakespeare play? And so it was like a weird, it was a tonal shift for the time. It's true. I came to it much later, so I I was already kind of familiar with Patrick Stewart. And I was like, oh, this is him. This is one of his great roles. So I'll Mm -hmm. get into it. But it was interesting to think that much like a Doctor Who or what we're talking about, like somebody embodying the role, there was a little bit of that gruff when Patrick Stewart started. 
And now we have one of the defining captains of the entire Star Trek series. I wonder if the gruff was... See, the internet wasn't a thing back then. Nope. So I wonder if the gr- the gruff must have been from media, like critics and stuff. Yep. And I was around back then, and I remember it being out, and I was a nerd back then with my nerdy friends, and I had... Uh, my friend Claudia, shout out if you're listening, Claudia. <laughs> she was a super big Star Trek fan. Okay. And I just remember her loving it and all the things. that. And to me, that's true nerddom. Oh, for sure. if you're really into it, just give, give me more of whatever it is and yeah. I'm, I'm eating it up. Hook it straight into my veins. So I don't remember amongst my group of nerd friends yes. it being anything but awesomeness. Star, there's new Star Trek. Oh, and I, I don't doubt. I mean, it, it's lasted as long as it has, so it, it definitely had the fan base. It was just curious to see. I guess you're right. It was the media and the it, reporting it Because that sounds like such a critic. Th- that's where all the big sweaties used to be. They were <laughs> those, those critics and stuff. And I just can see them being like, well, this is a tonal shift. This isn't like what it was before. Because <laughs> tonal shift sounds yeah. like something some guy who went to writing school says. Some hot phrase to get the to get, <laughs> get those newspaper clicks. Wait, they weren't clicks. They were reads. Oh, well. But all the things they were saying were detractions. I actually count as bonuses. Uh, we're talking Patrick Stewart, who is a classically trained actor yes. now on a TV serial. And he brought that... Uh, Gravitas? He brought that gravitas <laughs> to the show. I mean, he was very serious in everything that you do, especially if you go watch the behind the scenes now and you see how goofy he was in person. I know. Because apparently he was farting up the set and pulling pranks on <laughs> yep. people and just going being silly. And then when they called action, it was just number one. Yeah. Make it so. Tormenting. Will, we- Will Wheaton has great stories. Yeah. Shut up, Wesley. <laughs> <laughs> But that, that, I mean, that's what it is. He was a captain first and foremost. He took his job very seriously. What's interesting is the captains we've been talking about usually have some crux that turns them into the upstanding person that they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Mal, it was the army and the failed revolution. Mm-hmm. Han Solo, his life is, you know, an urchin in a setback and mm-hmm. grown up on the streets. I forgot until I went back on my rewatch that... Uh, Jean-Luc Picard was stabbed in the heart as a kid. Oh, yeah. And he actually has an artificial heart. Like, he wouldn't have survived had they not done emergency surgery and given him a temporary heart. That's right. I remember him talking to Data about the fact that his heart is more like Data's heart. Exactly. I remember that episode. Wow, you just hit me with a nerd memory. Nerd memory. (laughs) Nerdstalgia. (laughs) Nerdstalgia. But that's it. I mean, the fact that he had an artificial heart, he's quoted as saying he it caused him to realize how fragile life was, and so he had to pursue it to his fullest. So from that incident, that was his catalyst to be like, I'm going to give everything I do, give, give it my all, and put 100% into everything I do, including being a, a, a badass captain. Of course, there's also, like, not only he's, is he a good captain, but he's good under pressure. Picard is also famous for being tortured the most in in the next generation, as well as being assimilated by the Borg. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Two things that he survived. Uh, the torture scene is great. Do you remember that episode where uh, he, he's being interrogated and they're showing him five lights? Or they're showing him four lights. And the, the Cardassian guy that's tortured him is like, you can just say they're five lights and we'll let you go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he goes, there are four lights. <laughs> and they keep beating him. He's like, just say they're five lights. And he goes, there are four lights. <laughs> And he overcomes it, and that's the last thing he yells because he's so strong in his strength of will and conviction that not even not even torture can get Captain Jean-Luc Picard to be anything but Captain Jean-Luc Picard. And not even the Borg can take the Picard out of Picard because uh, 
in Star Trek, Borg is the ultimate enemy. It's they assimilate everything to en- encompass it, learn from it, and use it, and then make more Borg. That's mm-hmm. their only purpose <laughs> to assimilate and expand. And it was such a shocking thing when it happened in the series, but they do that to Captain Picard. And you think it's the end because nobody ever comes back from being the Borg. Mm-hmm. Nobody except for Captain Jean Luc Picard. <laughs> with the help of Beverly Crusher and Data. You know, he has his trusty crew that he's brought with him that help him out. But uh, there's a scene where Data's linked up to Borg Picard, who's uh, Lucutus, is his Borg name. But Data's like, wait, I'm sensing Captain Picard and he's still in there and he's talking to me. But he makes a, a quick side comment that it's not Data accessing Picard in the Borg's memories. It's actually Picard strongly coming through the Borg persona to show that he's still alive. Mm. So Picard survives in like brain folds in in the frontal cortex, even when he's down to his bare bare small scrap. He's still in there, and it's enough for Data to bring him back and restore Jean Luc Picard and show that nothing can keep him down. Yeah, ah, the ultimate. I don't think there's any better. I don't. I, th- I think Jean Luc Picard has been undefeated so far. He's lost a couple friends along the way, but mm. out of all the Star Trek captains, I think he has this the smallest fatality rate. Mm. We'll have to double check that on the internet, but it seems about right. Yeah, and he's coming back now, too. Oh, new show. Starts in 2020, sometime soon. We get 10 episodes on CBS. We get to see Admiral Picard, I think, now, is what the story is setting it up to be. I don't know too many of the details yet because they've just released the, the teaser trailer for it so far, but ooh, it's going to be fun. Yes. Excellent pick. You can't do much better than John Luke Picard. Nope. Patrick Stewart, love you. So that's Mikey's number one. Now my number one, head of the helm. All right, I challenged myself. I'm going to make an all-female crew. I'm going to do it. I believe in you. And I've done it. Uh-oh. I'm very, very happy that I thought of that. At first, I was thinking, the when you think female captain, the first that comes to mind is Captain Janeway because she was groundbreaking yep. and all that stuff. But I didn't really watch that show, so I feel <laughs> disingenuous <laughs> talking about that. Yep. And so I was thinking, and then I remembered, I remembered, one of my favorite video games of all time. There you go. A little a little game you might have heard of called Halo. Oh, yeah, that little indie title. <laughs> that little indie title. So in Halo, Halo 2, the one that lets you dual-wield SMGs, whoop, whoop. which is the big news, the main commander in that was Commander Miranda Keys. Oh, yeah. Also known as the ballsiest officer in the fleet. <laughs> and she didn't even have them. Nope. <laughs> that, that, that shows how much she did have them. <laughs> so um, Miranda Keys, if you remember, the, I'm going to spoil so much of Halo just talking about her because it's mostly about her accomplishments. This is her, her resume in a lot of ways because you don't get into video games unless they're like uh, the Mass Effect ones and things like that. I got you. You generally don't get much personality breakdown, but even though Halo's a first-person shooter, oh, yeah, yeah. their cutscenes are so good. They make their own little movies, mm-hmm. and there's there's stuff there. And then they have books, yes. and they have other media that filled out this character even further than I knew. So here's the backstory that I didn't know, because in, in, you meet Miranda Keys at the beginning of Halo 2. Okay. And if have you ever played Halo 2? I, yep, I've played up to four. But. Right. So when Halo 2 starts, the they always do the thing, the fun thing, where you have to reset your, your configurations. <laughs> so... Yep. Master Chief has new armor is what they do. And he has new armor and that's shiny and new 
And part of the reason is because they have the new armor for him. And part of the reason is he's going to an award ceremony with the sergeant major who's also dressed up for the award ceremony. And the award ceremony is for Captain Jacob Keyes, who is the captain of the Pillar of Autumn in the first Halo, who died at the end of it. And they're giving a posthumous award to his daughter, who's Miranda Keyes. There you go. Who is a commander in the UNSC as well. So... That's what it is. Mm-hmm. That's where you meet her. Now, you find out later, I think in Reach, you find out later that Miranda Keys is the daughter of Dr. Catherine Halsey, oh. who was a scientist who invented the Spartan program, who yep. invented the Spartan armor, and who Cortana is her brain, a clone of her brain. That's crazy. And you also <laughs> learn, too, that Cortana, and you can kind of see if you look, Cortana looks like Miranda Keys because... If That's her, mom, her daughter. Her mom. Yeah, if her was mom think, was making it. Was thinking of her daughter. There you go. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. So, and then her father, of course, is Captain Jacob Keys, the captain from the Pillar of Autumn, as we said. So, in Halo Two, you're sitting there, and she's getting the award, and then they get attacked by Covenant, and then the game starts, right? Yes. So that's the thing, and you're taking orders from her all through Halo Two and Three. She's yep. the main. What do you want to? What, what do they call it in Spider Man? The guy in the chair. Basically, yeah, yeah. The guy back in the chair telling you what you need to do, where you need to go, who you need to fight. So that's her role through all Halo Two and Three. And what's fun is I found all this backstory for her. So originally, she so she went into Officer Academy when she was sixteen. She's a prodigy. Oh wow! And she graduated, and she was assigned to an unarmed research vessel. Okay, called the UNSC Hibbert. I like it. Or Hilbert. 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 With an L. I like it. And so the big thing that happened to her is they were attacked by a Covenant destroyer. And oh. it has no weapons. It's a research vessel. Okay. So she calls the Mayday and some uh, Corvettes show up to help her out. But they're outclassed by this big destroyer. <laughs> but the destroyer turns around to fight them. And the destroyers win in the day. So she's like, I got to do something. Mm-hmm. So she says, abandon ship. I'm going to overload the reactor and just ram it. Nice. So that's what she does. That's the hey. <laughs> that that is a that is a ballsy captain maneuver. Right. So she basically nudges the thing into the gravity wall of the planet that they're fighting around and explosions <laughs> and booms and it's crazy and she gets a silver star and promoted to lieutenant commander. There you go. And then she's uh given command of the frigate in amber clad and that's the frigate that's in halo 2 oh yeah in amber clad yeah yeah right see yeah yeah yeah. and she's the one she brings it down to new Mombasa when they're fighting and she's the one that follows the prophet through the slipstream and piggybacks to find out where he's going that's right yeah she's she's a badass i forgot (laughs) i guess it's the name because it keys is a generic enough name especially when it comes to halo i mean halo ships are named the yeah in amber clad and pillar of autumn yeah like those ship names are so cool and then it's keys that's great my name's miranda keys yeah okay (laughs) people still have normal names but they name their ships awesome things for real so halo 2 was one of the ones that kind of like cliffhanger ended that made i remember making people kind of angry i think so because it's kind of cliffhanger ended and then halo 3 comes back and you finish it (laughs) basically but they go through all the they go she has a major role to play in getting the um there's like a b plot to it if you remember there's a b plot in halo 2 where she and sergeant johnson are going to the library in the halo to find the key oh yeah 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 so she's doing all that stuff, and she's like dual wielding SMGs and fighting the Arbiter. 
because you think the arbiter is bad at first, but then you get to play him and or you're playing him. You think you're I don't remember how it works. <laughs> they have that whole twist with the arbiter and they, they make you realize yep. they had um, Covenant who are actually rebels yep. against the Covenant. So there's that whole thing and she gets captured and then they they have to the whole thing about Halo is they have to use humans have to humans are the only ones who can activate him. Yep. So they use her to activate the thing, but it doesn't actually shoot. It just puts it on standby and you have to go to that arc to launch them. Yeah. And that's what Halo 3 is about. Is trying oh, yeah, to yeah, get yeah, trying it. to get to the arc before the Covenant does so they can't shoot it. I, f- yeah, I forgot that's where the yeah. And then she has a very active role in 3 as well cuz she's doing all the commanding and everything. She's when you meet her again in 3, she's literally commanding the defense of Earth. Nice. Come on. Hey. Who who <laughs> else wouldn't you want to captain your <laughs> ship than someone the entire human race trusts to command the defense of Earth? That is an extreme level of capability. Be and like, she's hey, not even from Earth. Her homeworld is Luna. Oh, she's a mooner. She's a moon baby. <laughs> Be like, hey, see this gigantic planet over here? Yeah, just protect the whole thing. And she's like, I got it. Exactly. That's incredible. It's great. So, and here's the big spoiler if you haven't played Halo 3, but you'll remember this when I start telling you. Mm -hmm. If you recall, in Halo 3, you finally got the Arbiter and uh, Master Chief working together. Yep. And that's fun because you can play with your buddy. Yep. You can play a dual campaign. One one use the Arbiter, one use Master Chief, which is super fun to do. I suggest doing that because it's (laughs) a lot of fun. And that one, she's actually commanding the Ford unto Dawn, which is the... Again, another awesome ship name. I know, which is actually the um, the flagship of the entire fleet. Yep, yep. It's Lord Hood, and he's there too. But she actually, there's things where he doesn't want to do stuff, and she kind of pushes him <laughs> to do it because he's being a little more reserved. She's got that youthful gung-ho-ness. Right. So if you recall, <clears throat> in order to shoot the halos off they need a human yep so they managed to capture the sergeant major and you know the sergeant major the guy with the cigar and he's all gruff and stuff and the arbiter and master chief are trying to get there yep and they're not going to get there in time so she jumps in the pelican and flies down and like crashes crash lands it to distract the prophet yep and comes out with a shotgun and a pistol and just starts taking guys out just to be a distraction just to be a distraction (sighs) And then that's where the, that's where, spoilers, <laughs> that's where the sergeant is like, shoot me and then take yourself out. Yeah. And she, she's like, and she can't bring herself to shoot him. Mm-hmm. So she gets killed by the prophet with those spiky, that stupid spiky gun. Because she's noble to her crew. Yeah. It's, a, it's a good fault to have. Yeah. So she could not do it. She met her end at the young age of 27 years old. All that before the age of 27? Right. Ooh, making me feel lazy. And do you know how long the war between the humans and the Covenant was? 27 years. Oh, there you go. She was born when it started. And and saw it to the end. saw it to the end. Isn't that cool? That is very cool. You guys over there making Halo did a really good job. That's a cool story. This is a really cool character. I want to see her. On the Normandy Bridge. Oh, yeah. Commanding it because nothing is going to face her. She'll do anything she needs to do. The mission will get done. Absolutely. She will wreck life and limb. But we know from what she did with Sergeant Major, she will not risk the health of her crew. No, she won't take life unnecessarily. Exactly. So Miranda Keys, that is an awesome female character. Hell yeah. That I want captaining the Normandy SR1 with my crew. So 
We need to go through everybody that we have because our crews are done. Does that mean we're done with the head of Helm? No, because what are we doing next week, Mikey? (laughs) Surprise! There's an enemy on the horizon and he's coming to attack. We are going to pick the enemy of our ship. Who is our crew going up against in our our TV series uh, Pulp Fiction Battle? So, my ship, I picked the Normandy SR-1 from Mass Effect. It is captained by Miranda Keys from Halo. The, her first officer is Wilma Deering from Buck Rogers in the 25th century. <laughs> They're transporting Princess Leia Organa. They have a robot pet dog called Muffet 2 from <laughs> Battlestar. Yep. Our doctor is Lexi Tapero from Mass Effect Andromeda. There you go. Uh, security by Samus Aran from Metroid. Yes. Man, I got a lot of video game in here, don't I? <laughs> I think I like video games. Our engineer is Kaylee Fry from Serenity Firefly. And my pilot is Tally Lintra from the A-Wing pilot from The Last Jedi. Yes, I dig it. To tit for tat, I'm on the U.S. Voyager being piloted by Rocket Raccoon <laughs> in all his fuzzy glory. Uh, engineering and helping out is Amos Burton from The Expanse. Head of security is a cute little shape shifter named Odo from DS9. My doctor, who's only a doctor, not anything else, damn it, is Bones, the Carl Urban variant <laughs> for those keeping score. Uh, like I said, I have a marshmallow robot named Bay- Baymax uh, from Big Hero 6 as my robot. My live-in is a cute little crazy girl named River Tan. Uh-huh. And now my first officer is a giant walking teddy bear named Chewbacca. And your captain. And my captain that we just decided is now Jean-Luc Picard. Jean-Luc Picard with Chewbacca as his first officer. Wow, that's they're, really cool. They're, they're all going to test his level of patience, but it's Picard. He can handle any sort of crew. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> wow. This has been a whole lot of fun. The, I think our crew's great. We'll make a nice little, we always do our fun little photoshops. Yep. So we'll do a nice little photoshop of the crew, but we got to get the enemy first. So True. stay tuned next week. We will tell you who the enemy is. Their fir- our crew's first mission for now, I think, should be delivering us a pizza. Yes, because our pizza is here. It smells really good. Yum, yum. And we're going to eat it. But first, uh, we need to let you know, hit us up on the socials at AssumingPod, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Let us know your crew. We've actually got some emails and some feedback about what your crew is. We actually got a whole entire list that we will be reading for you. Oh, I'm so excited. It's awesome. <laughs> with the with crew picks we got over email, you can email us at assumingpositions at gmail.com. Uh, thanks go to that guy, Brad, for our announcing. Uh, not Scott Productions for our equipment, Jazzar for our music, and we want to thank the local game store in Richardson, Texas for being our local game store. You can find them on Facebook at the best LGS. So thanks everybody for listening. Go out there on your ship and find an adventure. What is it? The left star to the straight on? I don't know. How, the thing from the Peter Pan. Second star on the right, straight on till morning. There you go. That's what it is. Make it so. Engage. Dr. Sue. <laughs> Dr. Sue. A, a doctor named Sue. <laughs> Future Mikey will edit this out. I will. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-hmm.